Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good, good, good. I, I feel uh, my I've always this year, especially it feels like I've been kind of a glass half full Oilers fan. There's been a lot of down times and there's only once I think where I truly got pessimistic, pessimistic about the fortunes of the team. And that was in Tippett's last couple games where the team absolutely fell apart. But last weekend I was on, I'm, I'm on owners now every Wednesday and I was on the show and, and uh, Bob Stoffer was asking me if they should make any trades, you know, for the deadline. And, and I felt kind of stupid because I was thinking, yeah, they, they, you know, they should go for it. You know, they should still try to win the Stanley cup. And this is before the wins against Washington and Tampa Bay and tonight's victory against Detroit. So I was feeling kind of stupid thinking, you know, saying this on the radio, like, you know, I think they should try to try to do something to improve because I still think they can win. So now I'm feeling vindicated a little bit. So uh, and, and I don't know why I was still optimistic last week because it was kind of a down moment. But this team is packed with talent. There is a lot of scoring talent and we we saw it a little bit tonight. You know, they were able to outscore the Detroit Red Wings in the end in a very weird Weird and woolly game, to say the least. It was just a game with no flow. It made no sense. Most of the goals made no sense, and uh, the orders won it anyway. It wasn't like the these, you know, the wins over um, Washington and, and Tampa, which were brilliant, which were absolutely uh, fantastic hockey from the orders. This wasn't that, but it was a big victory. It was. He takes two points out of that game and run. I was going to say get out of Dodge, but they're in Dodge for two more games after this. But, uh, this was a game where uh, orders came out hard early and uh, got the lead and then proceeded to spend about the next 50 minutes trying desperately not to hold on to it. It's what it seemed like. Man, that was just so frustrating to watch the, the team... Uh, Playing with the lead. Anyway, we'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, we'll take the two points and uh, and uh, 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 on to the next, and hopefully that they'll learn some lessons along the way because they sure need to. Hey, I see the Avalanche are up on the Kings three nothing too yep. here, so so that's some good news. Yep. Yep. Yes. Oh, uh, Leafs four stars zero. That's yep. good. That's got to be. Yes, what did they lose? 7 3. And of course, the orders won 7 2 5 over Detroit. And the grade A shots were pretty close in that game. They were 16 15 in favor of the Oilers, um, with the five alarm shots being 11 to 7 for the Oilers. So the grade A shots are, we, we rate a grade A shot is above 20% chance of going in. That's a grade A shot. And a five alarm shot is 33% plus. On, on a shootout in the NHL, you have a 33% chance of scoring. So it's it's kind of like having a, a you know breakaway. And, and some shots, like for instance Yamamoto's goal, which we're going to get to in a little bit, that's a that's a like a five alarm shot because it's it's actually far harder to stop yeah. than any uh, than any breakaway. It's just you're not stopping it if he executes it. It's just it's going in. Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. What is your first, what is your good thing, I should say? Hey, yeah, my good thing is the opening five minutes of the uh, first period. 
when the Oilers came out and just absolutely dominated play in Red Wing territory, they outshot the Red Wings six to nothing. They pumped one, two, and three goals past uh, a long-time uh, Oilers thwart um, Grice in nets for Thomas Grice in nets for Detroit, who's never lost Edmonton in, in regulation. And guess what? He still never lost Edmonton in regulation because the three Edmonton got on him were nowhere near enough to actually win this game at the end of the day. Uh, but Edmonton's performance in that early going, I mean, they, they the goals, I don't think any of the goals was that pretty. They but weren't. they were just, uh, they were just, um, you know, hard work and play. Grice leaked out a horrible rebound on the McDavid goal, and um, yeah, uh, and Hyman beat him short side on a backhand. I'm sure if we, if the uh, uh, Detroit uh, um, bloggers were doing the same kind of thing we are, they would probably find some fault with Thomas Grice on one or two of those goals. But the fact is, Edmonton just came out and completely took the game over for those five minutes. And the, uh, the shot clock was 6 uh, nothing. The scoreboard was at 3 nothing, And the goalie was on his way to the bench. And all was well with the world. And all those predictions. All day I listened to, to sports radio. And I heard uh, pundit after pundit come on and say, yeah, this is a game the owner should win handily. And uh, one score I heard was 6-1. to one, And uh, another... Somebody was even pondering whether the Oilers might reach double digits again, the way Toronto did a couple of weeks ago. And they actually didn't come that far away from it in the end. And it was a similarly spectacularly sloppy game. It's that 10-7 Toronto win over Detroit, which I, I had on my PVR, and I went through a little bit of it this morning just to see how how it got away so bad. And uh, uh, it... Uh, Anyway, the good thing was three nothing after five minutes. And they were rewarded. Be, <laughs> what happened next? They were rewarded, and it was good because it was kind of a relief. Because when we all have this, well, I have this PTSD about the start of the game now. Like I'm just on the edge of my seat, thinking, when's it going to go south? Like, and and if it doesn't go well, I'm just I'm just waiting for it to go bad. So for them to get rewarded, like that first goal was just like unbelievable like they they're working hard they're playing hard and they actually mm -hmm. got a goal like that's fantastic that was devon shore tipping it in uh and he won the face-off he started off the virtuous cycle with a face-off win a hard face-off win where he had to dive forward to pull it back to the point that was a good play by shore yeah it was and um so fantastic way to start the game and unexpected because it's the oilers and they never do that so but, but they still found him. They still found a way to make an oiler of a game out of it. Uh, Bruce, my good thing is Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, I just thought he he had some great shifts, and he's looking. I think he's looking really good on McDavid's line. He's a smart player. He's a good offensive player, and he's looking good in front of the net. Like you don't ima exactly imagine Kyler Yamamoto as the net front presence. Uh, you know, doing the total eclipse of the sun screen on the goalie on the power play because he can't. Uh, but he is—he brings his own package of assets that makes him very valuable in front of the net. He fantastic at winning loose pucks, very quick, and outstanding in tight at getting off shots, which is probably an underrated ability in front of the net like that because quarters are tight. It's hard to get off shots, but he more than any other Oiler seems to have that ability in that tight little space to get a stick on the ice and get it on the puck. 
you know, that's slithering and sliding through there and everyone's scrambling and, and desperate to clear it. The defenders are, but he's able to get a stick on it. And he, and he had a number of good power play uh, chances on that three in a row at the end of the first period. And he put the last win in a absolutely sizzling pass. Uh, you know, the old cross ice dart from Connor McDavid right on a stick, which Yamamoto had on the ice didn't go under his stick, had firmly on the ice, and put it right in the net. He have That's, a skate behind it again like he did he, the last time? He, he was no, trying to do that. He didn't. No, I was looking for that too, Bruce, but he didn't. Uh-huh. He just was able to get it with his stick and put it in the net. So that was that was such a key goal because the Oilers uh, had given up the one goal, and you just felt like bad, more, <laughs> more bad things were on their way. But the, if they uh, didn't get an, the next goal and they did Kader, Kader Yamamoto got it. I think it's, I heard it's his fourth, 14th goal of the year, 14 goals. And then later he got his 11th assist and he's starting to pile up the points a little bit after a fairly lengthy drought for much of the year. He's, uh, he's starting to, starting to chip away three games in a row with the goal. Mind you, one was the empty net goal, but Hey, they, they count them. Right. But, uh, yeah, they uh, count him. He's he's jumping on this opportunity to play with. Uh, I mean, those pretty pretty high end line mates, Connor McDavid and Evander Kane. That um, uh, he, he you know he's got uh, uh, he's got a range of talent. Couple, you know, a couple bigger guys that he's playing with, and he can be a pretty good group player. Uh, Yamamoto when he's on his game, he he really is uh, very proactive in making things happen and. You know, working pucks loose and and getting them onto the sticks of teammates as he did on Kane's first goal. They have got um, three wingers that they might want to sign this offseason. Kane, Puliyarvi, and Yamamoto. And it's Yamamoto's now making things interesting, I think, in terms of... Because there's probably only the money to sign one of them. Maybe two, if they can mm-hmm. figure out a way to really stretch and maybe move out a contract or two. They might be able to sign two of three. So, um, yeah, for a long time this year, it looked like a given that it would be Puliarvi that would be the obvious, definite signing. And I, and I think he, he still is. But uh, we'll see. It could change. And uh, I'm hoping they can can still sign two of the three. Um, find Somehow find the money to do that. Well, Ryan McLeod's playing wing right now, and they got to sign him too. So I don't know if you want to put him on that list. Oh my but... goodness, is his ELC up? Yes, this is last year of his ELC. Yeah, it's not. They should be his... able to extend him for cheap because he's yeah. unlike Yamamoto and Puliyarvi, yeah, who've already gone through a second contract, have arbitration rights, and so on. Those are a little trickier. He's but... he's his points per sixty isn't great. I don't think either Bruce. Like he's not he's not ripping it. Like he's he's a good player, and you want to bring him back, and he's got the potential in a couple of years to be in the same position these guys are in. But these guys, one of them is going to cash in and get four or five million dollars a year. I think that's pretty obvious. And then they'll see if they have money for another one of them. But um, yeah, McLeod isn't in the same boat because his con- he's just off his ELC, but he's not right. yet on his next contract after that. Evander Kane's points per sixty are nothing special either, by the way. It's correct. One point three nine before tonight, and they probably went up a little bit. Yeah. 1.5 right at this point. And Yamamoto's are still nothing special. And neither is Pugliarvi's. Mm-hmm. Neither of them are having great seasons, scoring at even strength, putting up points at even strength at this point. According to the way we, 
I'm we're measuring the game though, looking looking at their grade A shots plus minus. Pulley Arby's having a fantastic season. He really is. Like he's just a, a fantastic, solid two-way hockey player. So he's the obvious choice for me at this point of, of the three. I agree. And Yamamoto and Kane are, are similar, and they're both having good years. They're not. They're Yamamoto's really improved in the last 15 games. He's gone on a very strong spell of two-way hockey, and he's put himself into the conversation. All right, Kane, Bruce. Here. Kane, for his part, he scored. Didn't he get his tenth goal into the empty net in his 21st game? So, yeah, that's a quarter of a 40-goal season, you know. But yeah. I'm seeing things to like and not like about Kane's game, but uh, put pucks in the net is one of the things I like. <laughs> I mostly like his game. I really like his toughness on the boards, and I think he's a smart player. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see that much not to like at this point, like from what he is. I don't like his age in terms of a long-term contract. Bruce, what's your bad thing? Well, it's most of the 55 minutes after the first five, frankly. <laughs> and right when it was 3 nothing, and they blew the goalie out. And right then I, I said to my wife, you know, this is exactly what happened in Washington just before the All-Star break. They got three goals in the first five minutes. They drove the goalie right out of the game. The other goalie came in and Edmonton fell asleep. And, and you know, they weren't able to, you know, basically what you'd like to think your team should be able to do if it's a contending team with a three-goal lead is shut her down and make sure that they don't give away anything, right? I mean, the other team might get a goal or two, but they're not likely to get three if you're the superior team and, and uh, you pay attention to detail and defense. Well, the Oilers did neither of those latter two things. And in fact, right after the goalie changed, the next seven shots in a row were by Detroit. And of course, the seventh one went in. And by then it's three to one Edmonton, but the shots are already seven to six Detroit. And they just started mounting them from there. At the end of the night, uh, Detroit had 62% of the shot attempts that even strength, and they had the puck a lot because when Edmonton had it, they didn't manage it very well. And they kept giving it away, coughing it up in their own zone. Or a few times, the wingers down deep in Detroit's zone would make a prayer pass back to the point and it would get picked off, go the other way. Shore made one of those that led to two great chances for uh, for um, Detroit, a shot and a rebound. Cassian made a brutal one where he, they were working the puck around the boards and he just made this soft pass back somewhere in the general vicinity of the defenseman that got picked off. One pass later, it was a clear-cut breakaway. And I think that was the one where Evan Bouchard came back and lifted the guy's stick, so it wasn't even didn't even be a shot on net in the end. But just horrible puck management, you know, working along the boards, but don't be passing it back towards your own net because those are the plays where you beat your two forward mates and it leads to jailbreaks when you're, when you're making, you know, low to high passes in the offensive zone. Be sure they're there and be sure you execute. That wasn't happening. And in the third, you know, it seemed like they couldn't win puck battles along the boards. They couldn't get the puck out of their own zone to save their souls for extended stretches. And it was just a, you know, it was a, uh, basically just a, just a big uh, uh, cluster. And, uh, you know, Jay Woodcroft, he looked pretty, not very happy on the bench. And why would he? I mean, this was a game where the coach is, uh, uh, you know, what the coach has, has uh, 
been teaching the team, it didn't seem like any of those lessons sank in. And frankly, my conclusion was from the Washington game where they blew the three nothing lead and were lucky to win it in the end, they learned absolutely nothing because the exact same scenario unfolded tonight. And I'd like to I'd like to think that when you do get a scare like that or, you know, you take a bad loss or something, you learn from it and you, you know, you grow from it. And here was the same situation and it wound up the same thing with this big wide open affair with chances at both ends and the the three goal lead was just frittered away both times. And I'm left with a with a very hollow feeling. I'll take the two points. Uh, I'm not altogether, in fact, I'm not at all convinced that uh, Edmonton was the better team in this game. They were great for five minutes. And then Detroit kind of had their, you know, they were, I got to give Detroit all credit in the world. They kept coming. They played hard. I'm not quite as down on the orders, Bruce, because there, there, there were such weird goals against. You know, they, they truly yep. were. So only one of the five Detroit goals came on a five alarm shot, for instance. Mm-hmm. One of them was a grade B shot, the power play goal at the end of the second period from Gagne. Like, I mean, if you had put it over, if you had gone top shelf and put it over Koskinen's shoulder, I would have thought, oh, that's, you know, that was an intended, you you really sniped that. Like, but he, he kind of put it across the crease and it went off his stick and into the net. And then we have um, a power play goal, which I think bounces off someone in the slot to the to someone in great shooting position, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 again, it's 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 just a little bit of a bad bounce and p- pounds and that it pounds it into the net. The next goal after that is it's the goalie screened, like he's completely screened. I guess you could argue that one is a five alarm shot. Like if the goalie is so badly screened, he can't see the puck. That's going to go in much of the time. But there was a really some soft defending there as well. Yep. But the, my bad thing is the last. <laughs> so the owners, they, they blow the the lead and it's 4-4. And then they finally, they score again, right? Kane immediately goes and scores. And, um, and you know, he that was a weird rebound too, where he, I think he put it off the either the goalie or a player and it bounced right back player. to him any player and it it bounced right back to him and he got the rebound and put it in. So that was a good bounce for him and the Oilers get the lead again. They're up five, four and you think, okay, finally they're going to settle down. Everything's going to settle down. And then the worst of all the goals comes. And this is, um, it's a co-screw up by Koskinen and Duncan Keith and Koskinen, um, who is known for his misadventures with the puck, uh, goes behind the net and stops the puck. But he he just seems paralyzed at that point because Duncan Keith's coming in and Koskinen and Keith have got to communicate or yep. co- one of the, either that or Koskinen must take command and make a decision. He's got the puck. He's the man. And I think what he's expecting to do is the veteran Duncan Keith to swoop in there, take the puck off him and solve the problem. But that doesn't happen really. And for whatever reason, it doesn't happen. And they end up spilling the puck into the slot. You know, Koskinen doesn't move the puck and then Keith kind of bumps it into the slot and <laughs> boom, it's in the net. It was a horrible goal and it makes it five, five. And again, and again, they've got to win this game. Mm-hmm. They've got to win this game and a bumbling, stumbling mistake like that uh, is made. And they almost could have easily lost the game because of it. You know what you were mentioning? Uh, someone was mentioning, you know, if Tippett was coaching this game, Oilers team, they would have lost this game because it's Woodcroft. They would have won. One thing that Woodcroft did that I don't think Tippett would have done was call the timeout when it was four mm-hmm. four. And I and I really 
always wondered why Tippett was, I always felt it was very old school that he never called timeouts during moments of crisis and to, to calm down the team. And Woodcroft did that. So maybe there's a, that was before this play, play though. So it didn't calm everyone completely, but all's well, it ends well. Um, you know, I think the orders were the better team, slightly better team tonight. And they, they, they deserved at least one point and yeah. they got, they got okay. two, they got two and, and, so someone was going to get the other point. Might as well be them because I think they were the slightly better team. So, yeah, well, Detroit isn't exactly a defensive uh, uh, powerhouse, but that's where you know in the first period the Oilers had ten Grade A shots and and several of them in that early going, and then the second period they had one. So yeah. it was like they completely took Shut. their foot off the gas, and I mean they had a chance to you know. If, if they wanted to take it to Detroit offensively, they could have put that game away then and there. But they let Detroit hang around and hang around. Then all these foolish plays started happening. And I mean, it wasn't just the goals, though, David. I mean, Koskinen made a diving poke check off a of one breakaway. That was great. And, and Bouchard had to make a great defensive save to, to thwart another one. Yeah. And, I mean, there was this wide open spaces back there. And that left me extremely nonplussed with the team's overall performance. That was almost my good thing, that poke check from Koskinen, because it was so not like Koskinen to do that. Like, he never does that. Like, sprawling out there and making that kind of poke check. I mean, that was Jacques Plante stuff, and you just never see that, but he did it, so good for him. Bruce, what is your numero? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess my number is two, and I'm going to take those two points. And we kind of talked about this earlier, but it's, uh, uh, I mean, the order's gained two points. I'm just going to try and get the updated. Uh, on Vegas, yeah. They, they definitely gained two on Vegas, who have now lost five in a row, all in regulation, and have started to bleed out approximately ever since they added Jack Eichel to the lineup, which take from that what you will, but uh, this cannot be a happy time for Mr. Eichel. Uh uh, but they gained two points on Dallas, who's, uh, you know, in the wild card race with them. Uh, they're going to gain two on L.A., which is really big. That game's still 3 nothing in the dying seconds now. Two on Vegas. And the only team that's in the hunt with them, uh, that one was Vancouver. That's behind them a little bit. And Winnipeg. And uh, you know, I guess, yeah, Winnipeg's in that same wild card race. But, I mean, they were the team that beat Vegas. So, Winnipeg yeah, we'll Vegas in regulation is the best possible result there. And so now all of a sudden Edmonton's in third place in the Pacific with 70 points in 60 games. Vegas is in fourth with 68 and 62 games. So Oilers have two games in hand and a two-point lead on Vegas. And Vancouver's in fifth with 67 and 61 games. So Edmonton has a three-point lead with one game in hand on Vancouver. And just like that, they've gone from being like three or four points out of the last playoff spot to being, you know, somewhat solidly in third in their own division. They're four behind LA now with a game in hand. So they're, they're, uh, you know, they're closing a little bit of ground there. LA keeps pulling out these miracle wins, but uh, uh, they didn't get one tonight. So did they lose yet? Uh, and three, nothing final. Sweet. Colorado. Oh, that's excellent. So, so the orders uh, have a game in hand then. I guess. Let me just and they're check four out. behind Los Angeles with one game in hand. Yeah. So that's very, that's good news. 
so there you know just just recently it looked like la was like getting quite a bit of daylight between them and the orders but yes. um it's not the case anymore and yeah. um the orders can can catch that team they can't uh catch the flames but they can no they can they can catch uh everybody but la la in their own division and mm-hmm. uh it would be so sweet if vegas doesn't make the playoffs so honestly i don't like that team so yeah, me uh, neither. I yeah mean, i don't like them they were a nice story at first but uh they they're going to pay the price you know they like to go and get every shiny new toy that's out there and this year in order to open up the cap space they gave away their resident trophy winning goalie i guess where they're struggling now with scores like seven three that they lost tonight they're bleeding at the defensive end and they're they're scrambling around for goalie help well the guys had the resident trophy winner maybe you should have kept them greedy guts vegas <laughs> Uh, first, my number is related to Koskin's propensity for giveaways. So uh, we, this isn't his total number of turnovers this year. He's made many more than this, but he's made six turnovers, which have led to grade A shots against the Oilers. But four of them have ended up in the Oilers net. Four of his gaffes have ended up in the Oilers net on turnovers. So that's a really high number for a goalie. And um, I think I think I heard one of the broadcasters say something like, under Woodcroft, they're encouraging him not to go out and play the puck so much, like to be very mm-hmm. cautious about that. And the the play tonight where he made the turnover was a pretty easy play to make. He just kind of froze. Yeah. Um, and that's what happened. So uh, this is probably one where he they would encourage him to make the play. And, of course, there was the stabbing Pochak where he, he comes out of the crease. That's a little different, right? But... Um, Anyway, he's it's one misadventure for another with Miko Koskinen. And Markstrom and Calgary's the same way. Like these big guys, I think they just have struggled. It's it's a it's a very fast game, the NHL game. And these are goalies, they're not regular players. And I I think the game just comes at them awful, awful fast, uh, some of the time for these great big guys. So I, I like I like Koskinen. But maybe you know, it's the right strategy maybe to, to be conservative about leaving that. Not a bad idea at all. Stay settled in that net, big guy, and and uh, good things tend to happen at least in terms of your one loss record. So, yeah, I mean, this was the first time in 13 starts that he gave in more than three goals. Uh, but in those over that, even with tonight's uh, goals against uh, ugliness, he won the game or he got credit for the win. And uh, Oilers are 10-1 and two. I believe over the 13 game stretch of his uh, most recent start. So, you know, I heard a guy complaining on the post game show on chat about how Koskinen is always costing the team goals and games with his gaffes. And yes, there are bad goals from time to time, but he's not been costing them many games. Not lately. No. Yeah. Oh. Look at Seattle's record, Bruce 61 games, 18 victories. Wow. I guess that's what you'd expect from an expansion team. It's just Vegas kind of set the bar a little differently. And yeah. uh, and here's where the fun. danger lies in the Oilers' schedule. They had a three-game season series against Seattle. It's finished. They have a three-game season series against Colorado, first in the first in the West and I think first in the league. And they haven't played one game against Colorado yet. So all three of those games are upcoming. Uh, so the schedule uh, is uh, it's not as clean as you as uh, as you might like. So 
they've got uh, some challenges. That said, when you see how the Oilers played against Washington and Tampa Bay versus how they played against Detroit, maybe you're just as happy they're playing tougher teams. They seem to be playing better of late against those teams. Well, geez, there's, there's, I, you know, I have been bullish on the team all season long, and I think there's a reason for Bruce. This team is stacked with talented hockey players, and they've now got six puck-moving defensemen, um, as good as they've had in forever. You know, they, these guys can all pass the puck. Now, can they defend, and, and you know, or will they get the goaltending that they need to? They, these are the questions, but they, they this team can really attack. And when they, especially when they, they put their minds to it in the first five minutes of the game tonight, they were just electric on the attack. And, um, this I think defines the team. And I think Woodcroft maybe is amenable to that definition of the team. Um, will go for it. He's a, I think he's a confidence builder. He strikes me as a confidence builder in his players, which is a big thing. It's not a small thing. And I'm not right. saying that Tippett was deficient in that. I think he was a player's coach as well. That's that's what we always heard. Um, but I think Woodcroft may, you know, he's he's a younger man. He's he knows all these players from a younger age. Uh, he he's doesn't he's got his own set of. He doesn't have the favorites that the Tippett had with the veterans. I think it's much more open for all the players to be the coach's favorite. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing a real explosion of of offensive confidence right now on the team and i i give woodcroft some credit for that there's still like the even strength scoring numbers we're just Connor mcdavid's i think 75th or 74th in the nhl for even strength scoring five on five on a rate basis that's terrible for Connor mcdavid like honestly it is he's the that's, that's barely first line yeah he you know. he's the best is he the best player in the nhl i mean okay well score more yeah you know um he is of course <laughs> utterly fantastic and he's playing like that again. Like he he didn't have a like I guess he was the first star. I thought he was okay tonight, but he was so good against uh in the, against Tampa Bay. He was just out of this world good against Tampa Bay, and he was he was he still was looking good tonight. So, but what they need to do is establish some chemistry on some lines, and I think they're starting to do that a little bit. I, I like the Kane Yamamoto McDavid line. It's clearly got some chemistry. I think it's going to work out. Drysaddle uh, Hyman and McLeod. Maybe that's going to be, but I think Pugliarvi will probably go in there uh, for McLeod. And I know a lot of people love Ryan McLeod, and I, I really like him too, but I think, yes, Pugliarvi is a better hockey player and sh- should go in there. And then McLeod will be, you know, if you have Nuge, Fogel, and McLeod, let's say, mm-hmm. as the third line, how about that, Bruce? How does that strike you? Well, they're certainly NHL caliber players, so, <laughs> I mean, that's what you want. You solid players across your third line McLeod I thought he had a very frenetic game tonight he uh, yeah he made some, you know he had four turnover giveaways in this game which is not his usual style and, and they had just a few plays where they had the puck on their sticks and it wasn't just the Koskinen play but where they they didn't move with it and some guy had come up from behind and take out Lucas Raymond stripped the puck off of Connor McDavid made him look foolish McDavid was coming out of Edmonton's end with the puck and Raymond just took it off him and then he made a pass through and and Barry got beat and Koskinen was eyeball to eyeball with the guy in in uh, deep in the zone and there was a there was a few plays like that Brobery coming out of his own zone and 
He was a little tentative making this pass. Well, guess what, Phil? You don't have the puck anymore. It's going that way, and it's going into <laughs> your net because you didn't move with the puck and move yeah. the puck. Yeah. You were sort of standing with it, looking around and not skating very fast, and those guys were skating. And so Detroit had 12 takeaways to Edmonton's six, and Detroit had 11 giveaways to Edmonton's 19. So that goes back to the game management that I was discussing earlier. That's one of the yeah. places it shows up on stat sheet. So they play the Sabres and the Devils next, Bruce. But yep. after that, this is like, this is one hell of a difficult schedule from then on in. Mm-hmm. There's very few easy games. Um, and there's lots of difficult games against the Wild, the Knight, you know, the Golden Knights, the Stars, the Avalanche, the Penguins, the Kings, the Blues. You know, I guess they 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 got a couple games against the Sharks and one against the Coyotes, but it's the high scoring Other than, Coyotes are coming to town. That's my it's, next game. That yeah, standing live, and that could be uh, the way the Coyotes have been filling the net lately. I don't know what to expect. So it's a tough schedule. I don't know what the, if the other teams have equally tough schedules, but this is tough for the Oilers. They're they are going to be up against it. They it was great. They got this this point tonight, and those two unexpected victories against the Caps and the Lightning. So they're in the, yeah. they're in it again, Bruce. They're it's it's on for the you know it's looking better for the playoffs. And man, could this city ever use the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs? And a, and a, and a, and you know, the old playoffs with fans there. Yeah, everything. And the and the um, the arena district, I think, is finally ready to to get rolling a little bit more. You know, and bring some life to our downtown, which is dead. You know, which has been dead for two years and is depressing as hell. It's a construction zone and a you know. It's just whenever you go, whenever I go there, it just seems empty and lifeless and horrible. <laughs> Sorry to say, but that's what it's like. And it, you know that will be the the that will be the moment that we've been waiting for. You know, people who love the downtown and push for this arena project to enliven the downtown. This could all come together this this spring. I'm hoping it does, and uh, let the good times roll. Yeah. Well, they got to take care of business, and they got to win their home games, and they got to win the t- games against teams below them in the standings. And tonight they were uh, like two for two on that front. And at the end of the day, even as the uh, how the sausage was made was uh, not all that pretty. In the end, it was two points are pretty tasty, I guess. <laughs> as good as the two points against Tampa. A little, a little indigestion just yet, but I'll get over it. Yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> Yeah. Alrighty, Bruce. Uh, thanks for talking tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>